This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, it's a lovely, uh, warm welcome to uh, an old mate of ours, of course. Been on the show plenty of times. Uh, I used to have the pleasure of sitting... Well, the pleasure was mine in sitting very near him in Gate 17. I, I don't know if the feeling was mutual, with me <laughs> ranting and raving, but uh, Joe Tweedy, how lovely to speak to you. How are you, mate? Yeah, really well, Chidge, really, really well. And uh, yeah, no, the, the feeling was definitely mutual. But uh, <laughs> how strange that in the stadium of what, 42,000 people that we were literally five seats away from each other. I know, I know, it's brilliant. I, I miss our half-time chats, Joe, with you were explaining to me what had actually happened <laughs> while I was uh, you know, sleeping off the four or five pints I'd had in the pub beforehand. Anyway, you know um, all about this. We've been doing these uh, episodes of My Chelsea for quite a, quite a while now, which has been great fun. And it's just kind of nice to talk to people who are involved with the fan cast about how they, you know, how they found Chelsea, really. And I kind of know a lot of these answers anyway, because I've, I've known you for quite a while, Joe. But I'll kick off with the obvious one. How did, how did you actually become a Chelsea fan? So I am, I think I'm, I'm a third generation Chelsea fan. So going back to my granddad and my dad is the youngest uh, in his family and the youngest by 20 years. So it's quite a big age gap between my, my eldest uncle and uh obviously my dad. So I think my granddad was a fan from sort of the 1925, 1920s. So the, it goes back in the family quite a long period of time. So unfortunately, well, I say unfortunately, like fortunately, I didn't really have any uh, any choice when it comes to being a fan. And I think one of our sort of interesting family facts is that I, I believe we still have a family record of some physically being in the stadium every time we've won a trophy. So we are a pretty... Uh, pretty Chelsea-centric family and certainly when it comes to going games my uncle saw us win the title in 55 and you know I think we've we've all been at various cup finals along the way there's always been one of us in the stadium when we've won a trophy so I think that is a little unique kind of tidbit of our own Chelsea history as well. I think that's brilliant I mean you know I, I, I that I didn't know I mean I, I've obviously you know been We're saving in... that one. <laughs> yeah well I, I've obviously been in the stadium you know when both you and your old man were there so I knew, I knew yeah. your old man was a Chelsea fan but that's a great story you, you've got to write a blog about that. Because that is unique, yeah. I think. 
No, I've, uh, I think I'm, I'm starting to get a little bit of the writing bug back. So I've taken a bit of time off uh, writing. Uh, I think people who know me know that I'm fairly sort of busy career-wise, sort of have been for maybe the past two, three years. So the kind of blogging, the writing is taking a little bit of a backseat, but I'm hoping now that I've, I've managed to free up a little bit more spare time to, to get back into things. But I, I would love to, uh, to write something about my uh, Chelsea family history, particularly yeah. I say my, my uncle, he has some incredibly fascinating stories as he was uh, friendly with a certain Mr. Ken Bates back in the day. Oh, so really? Some very interesting, interesting chats going on. Yeah. Well, some of that would be great to capture. So wouldn't it just? I mean, I, I mean I've got, I mean, if, you, if you heard my edition of this and you'll know that my Chelsea credentials are absolutely rubbish. But actually, if there are any, they all come through my wife. And she, like you, is third generation Chelsea fan. And I know, I know her mum was at Stamford Bridge in 1955. I used to talk to her mum about this, funnily enough. And her, and her granddad obviously used to go before that, and because the, they were all in Battersea, so uh, he used to take her yeah. to, to the bridge in the in the early seventies. So she, she, as she always says, if you ever see her in the pub with me, she'll say, "Oh, he's rubbish. He's a plastic Chelsea fan. I'm proper." And she, <laughs> and I wouldn't argue with her. But there you go. Um, okay, so I would imagine it would have been your dad that took you to your first game. Then, what, do you know what? Remember, remember what that was. Do you know what? I can't remember the team. So that there's two there's two flavors here. That there's a game that I remember, and there's a game that I went to. So I went to a friendly in about 1992, where we played a team in purple. I think it was Rapid Vienna, a preseason friendly. I think it was my first ever official game, and uh, I remember that sort of distinctly as probably like five years old, and sort of mentioned my my uncle at the time had some pretty good connections at the club. So I remember meeting a lot of the players in sort of a box and stuff, like sort of at half time and, and being like a five-year-old sort of meeting like Jakob Kelberg and these really random guys from the nineties was a really, really big thing. But that was, that was probably the first game that I officially went to. But in terms of sort of vivid memories, I would probably say the 94 cup final was the the first game that I can remember. Not a great game to remember, but obviously a, uh, a sort of very poignant one for us. Cause it kind of, I suppose was the turning point in, in that sort of nineties period for Chelsea where, after then, we sort of seemed to be on a, a sort of upwards trend. I remember that certainly as my my first game. And you were you were actually at the final? Yeah, yeah. So I was at the '94 Cup final. Yeah, in the old uh, Olympic Gallery, I think it was called the uh, the top tier. Yeah. Um, I remember being very upset when uh, when we lost. Um, I, to be honest, I don't really mu- remember much about the game. I just remember sort of the the day. Um, I think sort of for, for, certainly for our family, we have a bit of a tradition when it comes to cup finals. So. You know, we don't often see each other throughout the year. Obviously, again, me living abroad makes that slightly more difficult. But when it comes to cup finals, there's normally a big group of us. We do sort of the Hilton or one of the nice hotels before the game. And then we sort of all go to the game and go to the hotel afterwards. And sort of that's one of the things that we've done probably since that 94 game. So obviously, we've been in a lot more cup finals since then. But uh, that for me was kind of the start of the, the big sort of Chelsea family commute to these uh, cup final games. Well, I mean, you know, if you're going to start, you've got to start somewhere, Joe. And I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have to say also, it's quite refreshing talking to one of the fan cast mob uh, whose memories start kind of in the in the 90s, a bit like Alex, actually, because I did Alex the other week and has as much the same, because obviously a lot of the older boys like Jonathan and Clayton and, and Tony, you know, it, it all started for them. Well, certainly Tony in 1970. So it's quite it's quite refreshing. And uh, yeah, hugely disappointing, wasn't it? Did you get soaking wet? Yeah, soaking wet, um, <laughs> face paint was running, like hair dyed blue, sort of the typical kind of nineties uh, kid. I think I had a blue, white, and yellow jester hat as well. I think that, that's one of the sort of vivid memories I have of it. But uh, yeah, I remember it being uh, at least in terms of the game. I think that there was a dodgy penalty or something that happened during the game, but nothing really oh. vivid in terms of the the actual match itself. Well, United were playing with twelve men, one of whom was David Ellery, as far yes, as I remember. Yes, that's the chef. That's the chap, the referee. Yes. Yeah, I remember. Yes, indeed. Anyway, um. Who were your favourite players growing up? 
Oh, so as a as a kid, so probably let's say pre-Roman, um, Roberto Di Matteo was probably my absolute hero. So um, I used to have his boots and everything as a kid playing. So I played centre mid as well. Um, I always tried to get the number sixteen shirt for my for my team that I played for. He had a, a pair of Italian boots. They were called Valsport. They were very tricky to get, but they were sort of these really nice Italian leather boots at the time when a lot of people were just wearing sort of the Adidas and stuff like that. So I was very specific with the, the brand of boots that I wore. But Di Matteo for me probably was my kind of initial Chelsea hero, probably Rude Hillett as well. I think he was the first player that I had a, a properly on the shirt. Um, but I think that was more influence on my dad being in shock that we'd signed Rude Hillett, considering the sort of the standard of player that we had kind of 94-ish when, when, when Hillett came over. But uh, for me, it was Di Matteo. And I think... People will obviously equate uh, you know, his Chelsea success to what happened in Munich and, and sort of that that year we won the FA Cup and the Champions League. But I think probably before he was injured, he was certainly one of the most talented Chelsea midfielders. I still think that's played for the club, you know, some amazing goals that he scored. You look at goals against Tottenham and Arsenal from like 30, 35 yards out. Obviously, everyone knows him for the famous municipal goal and celebration, which is one of the most iconic sort of Chelsea moments. But... I think Di, Di Matteo was, was probably the guy. Um, and then the, the, the classic one, obviously, being Gianfranco Zola. You know, having the ability as a young boy to watch someone that talented in kind of an era where the Premier League was still very much dominated by cloggers and people who weren't used to sort of people who could change direction that quickly. And it was a little bit like watching Eden Hazard play against sort of Sunday League players at times with when, when Zola came over. So seeing that level of skill and ability from, from someone um, coming to the club and just, the, you know, sort of the the success that we had with him sort of was one of the main catalysts. I think, yeah, both, both Di Matteo and Zola definitely fit the, uh, the childhood hero uh, mold for me. I mean, what a, what a time to be starting out going to watch Chelsea. Yeah. I mean, you know, all, all the people, I mean, you know, you, you can definitely not say, well, you could definitely say that you were you were not there when we were shit. I mean, what a time to come <laughs> into it. I mean, that's really the start of the yeah. revolution. I think, I mean, Abramovich, yeah, we, we all know about that, but actually when Bates uh, went out and, and got hold of Hoddle. For me, that's when it all changed. And and I, I totally agree with you about Robbie Di Matteo. You know, I, I was so... I mean, you know, how could you not be excited seeing Rude Hullet turn up? And, and for me, Gianluca Vialli especially, because I, 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 like, I liked him long before he came to Chelsea. Yeah. And I've always liked that kind of a striker. And there's something about Luca and his personality. So I loved it when he came. But the reality is, is that Di Matteo was... A, was a first in many respects, I think, because he was he was a player who was who was currently playing for the Italian side. And if you remember, the Italians took a fairly dim view of anybody who didn't play in Syria. Yeah. yeah. So you know, so that all. I mean, I didn't know much about him to be honest when he came along. But the fact that he was a current international and they still picked him, I thought, well, he must be bloody good. And so it proved, didn't it? Yeah, he was uh, he was phenomenal. I think he he was sort of you could maybe say he was a little bit little bit ahead of his time in terms of his skill set. Mm. You know, great passer of the ball, elite, you know, certainly competitive enough to win tackles and win challenges, and and just a really really great finisher. I mean, we saw some phenomenal goals from him. But you know, you would you know you probably drop him into a modern team in his sort of mid twenties, and he certainly wouldn't look out of place in in terms of the skill set that he had. But yeah, I mean, certainly as a kid, sort of growing up, someone playing football, he was a guy that I. I tried to model my game after, you know, sort of box to box, like to shoot, tackle. Um, but he was just a real kind of injection, I think, of class into a team that, you know, you had just sort of spiky characters like Dennis Wise and sort of Di Matteo was sort of that classy sort of compliment to, to having a, a bit of English grit in the side. So it was it was great to see him come in. And I think, again, anyone listening, just go on YouTube and just pull up Di Matteo's like top three or four Chelsea goals. They're all from 
30, 40 yards, you know, in cup finals against Tottenham, against Arsenal. You know, he was a player for the big occasion. And I think that's something that I've always liked about sort of always at least a theme of sort of Chelsea players that I've really, really loved watching is that in the big moments and in the big games, they've always kind of stepped to the front and, and been counted. And I think he was one of those. Yeah, totally, totally agree with that. Um, so uh, what were some of your favourite matches growing up? Oof. Um, I think probably the 97 Cup final is is the one for, for me. So I was 10 at the time. Um, this is a game that I remember fairly vividly, actually. Um, my dad likes to point out the fact that he spent about, I don't know, £15 at the time, which was a lot of money on like a burger and a drink before the game. And before I'd even sat down, I'd actually thrown it over the top tier of Wembley because I was sort of shocked by the noise of when Di Matteo <laughs> scored. So, um, yeah, I don't actually, um, I've been told many times I didn't actually see him score because I had sort of literally jumped out of my skin at the noise as a 10-year-old when, wow. when Di Matteo had scored. But that, that whole day was was incredible, sort of being in the Hilton beforehand with, with sort of the whole family and watching the game and then obviously you know being the first trophy that we won in sort of you know 20 was it 20 27 years um was was incredible and I think again at a time when the importance of winning the FA Cup was was obviously a lot greater I think than it is today and certainly for modern fans you know it was it was a really prestigious trophy to win at the time and to to win it obviously with the the goal that uh, Di Matteo scored was you know I think it was a record at the time I think it's now been broken but the, the whole day was incredible um, and then getting to, to have that sort of moment again with a very big extended family to, to celebrate the, the victory was 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 amazing. Um, I think probably moving on from from that, um, I think really uh, some any other games that really sort of jump out to me. I'd probably say that that, that probably is the game of my childhood that I, I remember most fondly. Um, what about more recently? More recently, um, I'll, I'll save Munich for last. So I think that's, that's going to be... Uh, pretty sort of well-documented one among, among people that are taking this call. But uh, I think the Barcelona uh, 4-2 game, so 2004-05, I think it was, or whatever that season was, um, I think the first 20 minutes we flew out of the gates, 3-0 up against one of the best Barcelona teams that I've ever seen. Ronaldinho at his absolute peak, Samuel Eto'o at his absolute peak. Um, and then to sort of see just how good a player Ronaldinho was in that sort of last sort of 15 minutes of the first half, single-handedly drag a, a team back into a game that I was actually in the the harding upper behind the goal for, for when he did the little toe poke I still don't know how he did it sort of from from that angle but to see see a player of that that sort of uh you know skill up close and personal even then I probably like 18 or whatever 17 16 17 18 um was 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 amazing but then the, obviously the, the Terry um winner and, and Cavalio's little sort of bit of gamesmanship that I think we've all come to know and love. Um, I think that, that for me was sort of one of the one of the kind of early of, of, of the Roman sort of era that really kind of stood out. And I felt that, you know, Chelsea have arrived here. We've beaten a really, really top side. Um, slightly more random games, I would say. One that always sticks out for me, and I'm, I, I think this is, uh, it might have been under Scolari. There was a last minute winner at home <sighs> against Stoke. Yes. And I, for whatever reason, I don't know what was going on in the crowd that day, but it was utter pandemonium when the goal went in. And, and again, you're thinking it's Stoke. You know, I think Lamp, Lamp, it might have been Lampard who scored it. But I remember Miroslav Stock in like one of his rare, the rare glimpses of an academy player back and, in the and day. And Frankie DeSanto as well. Frankie DeSanto, yeah. Um, that that is a game that always sticks out in my memory, just just because the sort of absurdity of, of the reaction of, of you know kind of the, the goal and the result. Um, William Gallas' last-minute th- winner against Tottenham when he was playing left-back, cut him from the left-hand side, slammed it into the uh, the top right-hand corner. I remember that also fondly because of the, obviously because of the result, but I think after that, I then went to watch Darren Barker box and he won the European title as well. So it was sort of a kind of combo day 
Um, uh, probably, probably the best game at Stamford Bridge is the the Napoli uh, game in the Champions League run. I've never never heard the ground like that ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think potentially because there were pockets of Napoli fans all around the ground that day. There was a little bit more kind of spike in the and a little bit more vitriol in the Chelsea fans, knowing that there were certainly plenty of Italians around them at the time. But uh, I think that comeback for me, because it, it sort of epitomised, you know, the goal scorers. You had Drogba, you had Lampard, you had Terry, uh, and then Ivanovic. Kind of that sort of like real core of, of what Chelsea had meant, and and sort of uh, almost they, they kind of embodied and characterised what, what you think of when you think of Chelsea. But for them to all step up in that sort of iconic moment for me, was was just incredible. Um, the the two-all draw in the new Camp again, leading on from that. Not a game that I, I, I was at, um, you know, watching it sort of at home, but uh, just the, uh, the the just craziness of that whole entire game, you know, being 2-0 down against, I think probably then, even sort of looking at how sides have developed now, they were, I think, still think they're the best team that Chelsea have ever played against. Um, just so, so good on the ball and... and you know, we were kind of, they were sort of in the ascendancy in terms of their players and, and, you know, kind of our better players were coming sort of the latter parts of their careers. But then just to see that second half and the the effort and, and the determination and then Torres' goal again, I remember, again, I remember that being just uh, watching at home with my dad. And I think when the goal, the goal went in, we went to, you know, half an hour later, sort of just about calm down and we're sort of just trying to kind of rewatch some of it and, and get some clarity on what had happened. And, uh, we, we, the actual skybox had stopped recording because we were jumping up and down so much. So we actually missed the goal. We had to wait <laughs> until the, uh, the highlights came in at a later stage. But uh, that was incredible. Mm. Um, winning the leagues. I mean, the, again, the first league title, Bolton, was just amazing. Um, I think one of those sort of days, really, that, you know, looking back at the, the first half, we, we weren't abysmal, but I mean, we just weren't playing well. Nervy. Yeah, nervy. And then the second half, to see how how everyone stepped up in particular Lampard, which I think obviously would become a theme throughout his Chelsea career is stepping up in the big moments and delivering a league title for the first time in you know, 50 years. I've never ever in a million years thought that I would see Chelsea win the Premier League. It was always Manchester United or Arsenal. You know, they, those were the guys that won leagues. We maybe got in third or fourth. So that, that, that was a big moment that changed things. And then probably Munich is, is, the, is the main one. Is that, um, your, is that your best moment? Yeah, by, by miles. Um, having Being there with my dad was, you know, having the whole day with him. So obviously the guy who who sort of brought me to all Chelsea games as a kid, having that sort of moment with him was 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 really emotional. And I always remember sort of the end of the game, you know, just just being complete shock that we that we beat them in the manner that we had. Um, but the whole day itself, I mean, spending all day on the beer in Germany with the sun, absolute glorious sunshine, and then you know, sort of seeing the uh, the game sort of pan out how it did. Didier Drogba sort of coming to the front in sort of one of the most you know heroic sort of displays that Chelsea players put in. John Obi Mikel's kind of immortal performance, you know, David Luiz, Cahill playing on one leg each, Asingua playing unbelievable considering, you know, his sort of Chelsea career. The whole thing itself was was, was amazing, but that, that day in particular, yeah, comes to mind as, as the best buy by absolutely uh, miles. Excellent. Do, do you remember where you were sitting? Yeah, so I was in the second or second tier, I know it's the upper tier. Um, there were, there were, behind there were the, three tiers, weren't there? Yeah, so the middle tier um, behind the, uh, just di- literally directly behind the goal. Um, so fairly decent view of the penalties, but uh, yeah, I remember it being incredibly uh, nervy watching it. But uh, I mean, I recently watched the whole game back, the whole uh, the whole match back, and I think actually we played a little bit better than what I remember. Yeah. I think when you're there, it's so stressful because you know they have so much of the ball, and it felt like an away game. You know, this this wasn't a, a neutral venue. You know, 90% of the crowd were Bayern Munich fans. Um, having that sort of atmosphere and, and how it played out. 
but uh, yeah, watching it back, I actually thought we played a little bit better than, mm. than, what I, than what I remembered, but it was just an incredible moment and the explosion at the end was was one of the things that I'll always remember. Well, absolutely. I mean, funny enough, I would have been sitting directly above you because I was in the top tier, but exactly in the same place, right behind the goal, <laughs> uh, but very near the front, actually. And there, yeah. were, there were moments where I thought I was going to go over. Um, <laughs> happily. At least you went out, you'd go out happily. It was just so draining emotionally, yeah. that match yeah, yeah, yeah. for me, I think. And and I mean, you know, we, we did we did get away with it. I mean, I don't think we yes. played as badly as some people would like to portray, but we did get away with it. I mean, how they never scored uh, more than one goal, I will never know. I mean, Czech, obviously keeping us in it, but there were... He so, was phenomenal, yeah. You know, Goethe, or Goethe, as I like to call him, mm. kept on, you know, missing ridiculous chances. So it was written in the stars, Joe. I think they were right. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree on that. And... Uh, yeah, is it uh, was it Gomez, the centre for Mario Gomez? Maybe that's I've who just... I'm thinking of actually. Gomez. Oh, yeah, Gertrude. if it's him, yeah, yeah, he had an absolute disaster yeah. up front. He missed some. I mean, for him as well, you know, going into the game, he was one of the guys that you were worried right. about. But yeah, I think you're right. And I think just throughout that entire run, there were so many kind of iconic moments yeah. and, and even pieces of commentary and sound bites that everyone remembers. I don't think we'll see anything like it no. uh, like it again. We won't. As Donald Trump would say, we'll never see anything like it. You know, there's never been anything as good as that. But actually, I think, you know, we're right. I can't see it ever being better than certainly for emotion. Chidge. JK, in all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> It's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Anyway, uh, from the absolute sublime to the downright horrible, what's your worst Chelsea moment? Oof. Um, there are two two that absolutely come to mind. Um, one of them is the Iniesta goal. So mm. when we were, uh, Mark Lessin scored with, again, one of the great Stamford Bridge goals. Um, I think we just, I think we actually done really, really well against them over the two legs. And, you know, we were in a position to to win. Uh, everyone knows sort of the story of uh, Mr. Ovrabo, the referee. 
um, any any one of the three to five penalties that should have been given. And I think at 2-0, the game's over and done with. And then, you know, as, as Andres Iniesta does, you know, great players pop up with crucial moments. And uh, watching that ball go in, I think that was that was probably the, the one that, that, that hurt me the most because I looked at that Chelsea team. And I think probably it's one of the best ones yeah. we've had just in terms of, and that, that, you know, when you're looking at teams that should have won a European Cup, I yeah. think I look at them and, you know, went to the new camp completely and utterly, you know, sort of uh, just, yeah, just completely just diminished everything that they, they, that they were trying to accomplish. Probably one of the first teams to really stifle them at home in, in a number of years. And then to come to uh, Stanford Bridge, Michael Essen scores one of the all-time great goals, you know, left foot volley from middle of nowhere, it felt like. The best shanked uh, goal ever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, you know, Essien was was phenomenal Long in both legs, and yeah. uh, then to see, yeah, to have that taken away in the in the, I think after all of the penalty shouts and, and the way that it sort of transpired was was gut wrenching. And interesting enough, actually, Jimmy Floyd Husband was sat directly behind me, and uh, you know, I, I felt as a fan, I was sort of sitting. What was it, east, uh, north, east, yeah, east, lower, sort of towards the Barcelona fans. Um, but to see his face leaving the ground, I knew a that he was incredibly, you know, incredibly into it as a Chelsea fan, but also as a professional, the disgust on his face from from the performance and the referee. That's that's when you know it's a little bit crooked. That's as a fan, you can get biased and and you know you can kind of throw sort of certain accusations around. But to see Hasselbank's face leaving the ground was was kind of confirmation that we yeah. we definitely been stitched up there. We've been robbed, mate. It's interesting that you you were sitting in the east east what east lower. East lower, yeah. So I'm trying to get north, east, yeah. East lower, literally. So where the away fans sit yeah, at the yeah, moment yeah. in that corner, I was sitting probably 10, yeah, maybe 10 seats in from the, the corner. Yeah, because I mean, I'm trying to, I mean, this is bizarre. I'm I'm positive, because I mean, obviously, what, what a lot of people won't know, Joe and I sit pretty much up at the back in gate 17 of the Matthew Harding upper. And of course, we get moved for the big Champions League nights for the, you know, the television companies insist that the, the kind of the back 10 rows are empty for... For all sorts of reasons. Anyway, normally we get moved. But I tell you what, Joe, I absolutely remember distinctly that I was sat in my normal seat for that match. No, I wasn't for it, no. I know you weren't, no. Yeah. But, I mean, Marco, I spoke to Marco about this and he says he was moved. So I cannot understand why I was sitting where I normally yeah. do. Because I'm bloody... I know I was there because I was so I was so incandescent with rage that I was actually quite glad that I was stuck up at the back of uh, Gate 17 because had I been... Anywhere near the pitch, I think I'd have been on there to chin over, bro. I'd have, I just lost my shit. I'd never lost yeah. my shit that much at a match. I was so angry because it was, as you say, it was so clear that something distinctly fishy had been going on. But there you go. I still yet to resolve the, the, the mystery as to why I'm the only one out of all of our lot who was sat in their normal seat. Very <laughs> odd. Maybe I'm just imagining it. I, you know, they all, melt, they all meld into one. This is why I'm rubbish at answering these questions myself, because every single Chelsea match just melds into one for me. So I'm pretty poor at this. Anyway, uh, you are not. This is fascinating. Um, OK, moving on to favourite modern players at Chelsea. Or define modern. Is that sort of Abramovich onwards? Or? I, I would say this this century. <laughs> this century, okay. Um, so a handful probably. I tell you what, Joe. Off. To be fair, we could we could make it more current players. How does that sound? Okay. So my my all time favourite Chelsea player, more at least in certainly in the modern era, and I'll talk a little bit about some of the more recent ones. Is I think people know is Michael Essien. Mm. Um, I think had he had he not been injured or had those injuries, I think that he. He would have gone from a player that I think everyone at Chelsea thought was exceptional to maybe sort of entering that bracket of Lampard and Terry if he'd have had you know seven seasons out of him at the level that he could play at. Um, I think probably one of the most dominant players I've seen put on a Chelsea shirt. 
Um, you know, I think one of the performances that sticks out is I think we went to Anfield. I don't know if it was a Champions League game or a league game, but he he was put on Steven Gerrard in Steven Gerrard's pomp, and Steven Gerrard, you wouldn't have known that he was playing. He completely and utterly just just you know took him out of the game. Um, but I always felt when when Essien was playing in midfield that we we had a chance of winning because the midfield battle was ninety percent in Chelsea's favour. One of my favourite players, and also again I, I do have a slight midfield bias because that's where I used to play. Um, modern players, I think Eden Hazard is an obvious one. Um, you know, a part of me wishes that that he had a little bit more of a mentality towards a John Terry or a Lampard to maybe capitalise on some of his talent a bit more. But then. Equally, I think that what made him such a great player was that he had this sort of carefree attitude in terms of how he played. I think he was probably the scorer of some of the best goals that I've seen in a Chelsea shirt. I think he's the most talented player um, that we've had in just terms of his skill set. The fact that he played the majority of games with people fouling consistently and he didn't really complain, sort of got on with things. And, you know, I kind of wish that we, he would have been a little bit more consistent, but I think his highs in the Chelsea shirt were, were exceptional. Um, I go with Diego Costa. Again, I think just an absolute monster. Um, the epitome for me of what a Chelsea centre forward should be. I think he's one of those players that every every opposition fan hated because he was such a good player. But also, you know, he brings that sort of slight element of niggle that Chelsea players, Chelsea fans really enjoy. You know, a little bit of a uh, little, little bit of needle niggle, a little bit of of, of angriness to his game. Um, and I think we miss that a little bit in the current makeup of the squad. I do think that we're, that we're a little bit nice at times, and I think Costa was was the guy to, to bring that edge. And probably one more. Um, I'll go with uh, I'll go with an academy player. I'll go with uh, Ruben Loftus Cheek probably as, as a current player. And I think as someone who has had a very very unfortunate history with with injuries, I think we started to see glimpses last season of the player that he he could be. Um, and, and my hope is that when he comes back into the side, that he can sort of replicate that sort of level of form. You know, a guy who has been at Chelsea since eight years old probably sort of slightly mishandled in his earlier Chelsea career, didn't sort of moan, didn't want to leave, didn't complain, went out on loan, got into the England squad, came back and towards the end of last season was looking like Chelsea's best player at times. So I think hopefully for him being a local lad, you know, being sort of a, a boy who's been here since he was a kid, that he can be the one to take on that next sort of John Terry mantle and, and become the the guy that all the young players are looking to as, as someone to to inspire to be like. So he, I think he, he's also another player that I think is, is going to be, uh, be up there eventually. Great stuff, Joe. I, I love the fact that Joe Tweedy, the great football technician, uh, loves Diego Costa, the raging bull. Yeah, he's absolutely yeah, he's brilliant. I love that. <laughs> that's quite great. Yeah, because that's the point, isn't it? You know, we got you. You need all sorts to make a great football team. It's not all about the. I mean, you and I have had arguments about this for years, but it's not always about the tick attacker. No. Sometimes you need a bit of ag. And bless his heart, Diego Costa was exceptional at that. Um, I, I'm just wondering, out of all of the players that you mentioned, including some of the, the ones from the 90s, who, who would be your all-time Chelsea hero? All-time, probably one I haven't mentioned. It, it's probably Frank Lampard. Oh, right. So he, yeah, so he kind of fits maybe more of the 2000s era. Um, I think just for, I think, well, I think just to sort of put it into context, I think people just forget how exceptional he was as a player because he was so consistent. You know, you're talking about a midfield player that for about eight seasons running gave you 10 goals in the league every season. You know, in, in all competitions, you know, he was close to hitting 20 goals a season from midfield, playing as a central midfielder, not playing as a number 10. You know, but also you look at some of these seasons he had, there was just insane assist totals as well. I know the assist has become more popular now sort of in the last five years or so. But even in that season, I think Lampard got 23 goals. He had 17 assists. You know, it's like a 40 goal contribution from a midfielder is insane. 
you know, you look at his stats, his stats are better than anyone, but more, more than just looking at sort of the Excel spreadsheet version of him. You know, this is a guy who I think delivered in, in every big moment of, of his career as a Chelsea player. He's one of a handful of players that you could bet, you know, your life savings on to turn up, turn up and put in a performance when it really mattered. Captain in Munich, captain in Amsterdam, you know, scored the goals to win the first league title, scored goals in cup finals, you know, a crucial, crucial part of, of, of the, the sort of evolution of Chelsea into a European sort of superpower. And I think people forget, you know, th- this isn't a guy who is blessed with, you know, Eden Hazard's natural talent. This is a guy who has worked impeccably every single day, his game, his finishing, his fitness, his stamina, you know, his, his conditioning, everything about him. And I think the fact that he worked so hard to become the player he was. And now I think, you know, people are only starting to realise, certainly when you listen to players like Hakim Zayac when they've signed for Chelsea, you know, talking to Lampard for five seconds and he already wants to join the club. I don't think people realise what a fantastic player Lampard was until you get some of these younger players who we're looking to buy now, who have grown up idolising him and watching him play because, you know, his his reach goes way beyond sort of Chelsea and the Premier League. He, for me, he's a European all-time great central midfielder and, you know, a player that you would build any team around in any era and, and have success with. And, and, you know, I think for me, just his consistency of, of quality and just how well he played and the sort of the way that he carried himself and the way he played, it's it's a no-brainer that he, for me, is, is my, my absolute Chelsea hero. I think you underlined some really important points there, but actually, I, I particularly, I do I agree with you, actually. You know, I think it's funny, isn't it? It's like familiarity breeds contempt. And we, you know, we saw him play week in, week out, and, and it was normal for us to see how fantastic yeah, he was. Exactly. And you kind of take it for granted, but you're right. The impact that he had went way beyond Stamford Bridge, uh, and I think particularly throughout Europe, uh, you know, the number of times he was, you know, getting nominated for the, the Ballon d'Or or the, you know, the UEFA's team of the year, that registers with people. And of course, the Champions League, you know, the, most of Frank's career, the height of his career at Chelsea were getting into semi-finals or finals or winning the Champions League. And if you're a, a kid playing football in Europe, you notice that. So I think yeah. that's a really good point. So there you go. All power to his elbow, mate. Uh, and to yours, Joe. That's a, a great selection uh, of all-time Chelsea hero there. Now, uh, finally, now I know, you know, having sat with you in Gate 17, that you're off, often leading the chanting in the uh, often uh, solemnal, solemn, if I could say it, it would, it would work, wouldn't it? Sleepy. Gate 17, that's easier for yes. me to say. So what are your favourite Chelsea songs? This one actually was the one that I spent most time thinking about when you sent these over. Um, <laughs> We've got quite a lot to choose from. Yeah, I was going to, we have, we have quite a varied song, but which is interesting. Um, I, I am. A, I think it'd be no surprise sitting in Gate 17, but I am a big fan of Hello, Hello, We Are the Chelsea Boys. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's one that normally uh, yeah. emanates from our area. I can't, there was a gent who sits probably six rows in front of us, yeah. uh, Grace, Grace, Spiky Hair, who used to enjoy starting right. that one. But he did, didn't he? I think that one probably. Um, and then, I, you know, I think that the classic of just singing Chelsea on repeat, because I think, A, it's, if you, it goes on for like five minutes, you know, 10 minutes in sort of big games, it's so sort of debilitating for the away fans to hear. Mm. Is it just like, oh, they're just saying Chelsea over and over? And then like 10 minutes later, they're just silent or, you know, like two minutes into it, they're just completely quiet. And I just, I love just sort of the the kind of the raucousness that gets behind that and the way that it kind of ebbs and flows as well. So probably those two um, are modern songs. I think the, the biggest waste of an exceptional song was for Timo Bakayoko. I think yes. that song with him and Ngolo Kante, if Bakayoko had turned out to be an unbelievable player, I think that probably would be uh, one that enters the charts as, as, a, as an all-time Chelsea great. But the fact that he... Uh, He's on loan and maybe had two good performances for Chelsea in what in what was a fairly uh, you know kind of 
non uh, nondescript career was 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 a shame. Well, I think he kind of ruined it, you know, because Watford. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, you know, not never give the ball away. You should you know, kind yeah. of got changed to always gives the ball away, which is a, <laughs> a bit of a shame, really. But uh, there you go. I totally agree with you about Chelsea, Chelsea, Chelsea. I mean, I remember, uh, you know. As a as a young man living uh, very near Chelsea, on the days I didn't, I didn't go very often then. But I was always around the manor, and if 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 you know Chelsea were playing at home, you would hear that incessantly sung for ten twenty minutes or more. And there's something about it; it, it kind of draws you in. But if you're an yeah. away fan, I think if you if you like your history, I think the equivalent is it's a bit like facing, you know, those famous Napoleonic French infantry columns. You know, they just keep coming at you. Yeah. <laughs> they never go doesn't matter how many of the buggers you shoot they still keep coming and that's a bit like that Chelsea song we just it just doesn't stop and it does it deflates the opposition fans because they can't make any sense of it you know yeah. it's a stupid song with one word and yet you, you still you're still singing you know and and I, rem- I remember being told that back in the 70s and, and the 80s you know quite often Chelsea would sing it for an entire half so I'm told yeah. but I yep. wasn't there so I can't validate that um I tell you what I can validate Joe is that this has been the most fun I've had for 40 minutes uh, for weeks uh, always an absolute pleasure to speak to you uh, and, sh- and today particularly actually sharing you know your memories of Chelsea and your, your little journey through uh, our fantastic club uh, but also to hear your dulcet tones and uh, you know we don't hear them enough at the moment because there's no there's no decent kind of current football to talk about so it's pointless wasting your talents on the show at the moment but we'll get you back that's for sure yeah no I look forward to it I uh, I agree it's uh it's odd not having a uh, a fan cast listen to every week at the moment. So, well, no, it's uh, on. Yeah, it'd be it's nice just, to get back to normality. Yeah, I mean we're we're on. You're not on. We're on. But uh, <laughs> the trouble is, you know, with it, there is nothing to talk about football wise. I think of any substantive importance. Yeah, that's what but, I mean. Yeah. And we're doing this fifty years of Chelsea thing. So all the all the stuff we're covering was about ten years before you were born. <laughs> so you know, I've kind of decided I'm gonna I'm gonna you know I've got a strategic plan, uh, Joe. You'll be you'll be proud of me. And the plan is to to put the old guys up front get through the 70s and then the, the further on we get people are still going to get younger and younger so you know that so i'll see you in about two months time three months time yeah, perfect, for the 90s yeah. all right i'll be there i'll be ready <laughs> joe as always mate lovely to talk to you you take care and thank you so much for doing this really appreciate it yeah no problem it's been a pleasure It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.